Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So uh, anybody besides me go to the Internet to self-diagnose when you either don't feel good or you have a pain? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so if something's going on, you know, with my body, I go to WebMD or, you know, one of the other websites like that. And, you know, I, I kind of type in my symptoms or whatever and kind of figure out how to treat myself. I realize there's that old saying that says the doctor who treats himself has a fool for a patient. Lynn tells me that quite often, actually. Um, I'm not a doctor, but I admit I do serve as my own doctor uh, quite a bit. Um, And sometimes I do well. So uh, I had been dealing with, for a period of years, some, some pain, you know, right here in my abdomen. And uh, so I went to the Internet and started you know, doing the search and describing the symptoms and all that, and I, I figured out that I what was going on is what's called diverticulitis. There's no cure for it. Uh, you treat it with the antibiotics, and then there's certain things that you're not supposed to eat, like s- things that have seeds and stuff like that. Um, and uh, But in my research, I found that some people were getting relief from taking fish oil. So I wrote myself a prescription. And I took it down to Walmart and got me some fish oil. And I started taking fish oil. And so some of you, I know that you, you deal with, with diverticulitis, but I have not had a flare-up in six or seven years. So sometimes it works. But, but why do we do that? Why do we self-diagnose first instead of just going straight to the doctor? Well, usually it's because of the cost. Right? It's simple. It's a money issue. And money matters because you can spend your money however you want to, but when you get that money, you can only spend that money one time. And so we want to use it wisely, right? That's the basis for this series. We, we want to take our dollars and we want to manage them by using good sense. Now, I realize that, that there are always some that think that the, sh- that the church shouldn't talk about money. Some of you here today... You think that this isn't a topic that I should be addressing. And if that's the case, I just want to write up front. I just want you to honestly ask yourself, why? Why is it that it bothers me that the pastor of my church would speak on the topic of money? And maybe you just think that your money is none of my business and you would be correct. Your money is not any of my business. And so we're not going to be talking about your money. Maybe your answer is that we should be spending time on Sundays talking about things that are more biblical, like, for example, the parables of Jesus. Did you know there are 38 parables of Jesus? 16 of them deal with money and possessions. Well, well, I think our pastors should talk about more biblical things, such as prayer. Did you know that the Bible talks about money five times more than it does prayer? Well, then he should at least talk about really biblical, important things like heaven and hell. Did you know the Bible says more about money than heaven and hell combined? And did you know that in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those books that deal with the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus, that one out of every six verses deals with money and possessions? 
You see, it's apparent that God wanted us to know the importance of money and how as a tool, that's all money is, it's a tool, which means it can be used for good or for bad. For that reason, that's why we're going to talk about money. I'm just curious. You don't have to answer this. You can just kind of answer to yourself. But do you know someone that has really gotten themselves in some financial trouble? Maybe they've even, it's gotten so bad they've had to file bankruptcy or maybe they've had their, their house repoed or their car repoed or they couldn't pay their bills or they had serious marriage problems because of finances. You see, the lack of biblical wisdom and discipline in financial matters is the biggest cause of stress across the board in people's lives. And because God loves us, he gives us wisdom in his word to protect us from the pain, from the pain of financial stress. I, I get it. Money is a sensitive subject. But as Christians, even though we are imperfect people who face a constant struggle with worldly things, we're called to live to a higher standard and we are given the wisdom in God's word so that we can escape the stress of financial difficulty. And so that's going to be the goal of this series. Listen, your church loves you. And I love you. And all we want to do is to help you escape that stress that money can bring. So that we can all live fully with our finances. Years ago, before really you, I had learned to use the internet to self-diagnose, I went to see the doctor about this problem. And... Uh, so he asked me to kind of tell him what it felt like and how often I would face, you know, this pain. And was it, you know, constant or throbbing or, you know, all the questions that they ask. And so then he laid me back on the table and he began to poke, right? He would poke and he'd say, does this hurt? And he would poke somewhere else. Does this hurt? And he would poke somewhere else and he said, does this hurt? And if I complained of pain, it meant one of two things. Either the doctor pushed too hard or something was wrong inside. I think it's a great picture of why some people find discomfort in the church when money is the topic. Because often either the pastor pushed too hard or something's wrong inside. So here's my commitment to you in this series. I commit to you, I'm not going to push too hard. I just want to lay out biblical wisdom to help you live fully in your finances. Something that God cares about a great deal. So with that said, I'm promising not to push too hard. So if you experience some discomfort in this series, you need to understand what that's telling you. It's telling you that there's something wrong inside and let's let God fix it. So as individuals and followers of Christ, we're called to be three things. The first is this, salt and also I want to throw in light in there as well. Salt and light. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read beginning in verse 13. And if you have a, the, the kind of Bible that I have, you see that the, that the text is read. This is Jesus is speaking these things. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world. 
like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. These three things that I'm going to share with you this morning, these aren't financial things. These are principles. These are that, that we are to be across the board in every area of our life. And the first one is that we are to be salt and we are to be light. These two things are included together because they are designed to both affect the things around them. Salt is a preservative. It is used to keep good things good and protect against decay and rot. And Jesus is telling us how important we are in this world by what he's saying here. We live in a world that leans to decay and to decadence. And it is the life of the follower of Jesus that is meant to have an effect, a good effect on the people around us by preserving good things, by preserving moral things, and to also protect against the decay. And light. Light allows those who are in darkness to see. And we live in a dark world, a sin-filled world, where Satan is called the prince of darkness. And how we live offers light in this world for people to see Jesus and to see the principles in his word as they are put into effect and how they affect our lives. What these verses are telling us here in Matthew chapter 5 about being salt and light, what, what it's telling us is that we are meant to be different. And that difference, that, that special unique thing about us is meant to have an effect on those around us. Now, you may or may not have more money than your neighbor. That's not the way that we're supposed to be different. The difference is to be found in the way, as we, as we talk about the financial aspect, in the way that we look at money and how we control it as opposed to allowing it to control us. The truth is, many believers, many followers of Jesus often find themselves in worse financial shape than unbelievers. They're not preserving the good of their income, but they're allowing it to decay into debt. Instead, instead of influencing the world by being salt and light in our finances, we're letting the world influence us. Why does that happen? It's very simple. It happens because we ignore biblical wisdom on how to manage our money. But if we will follow God's word, not only do we be not only are we blessed to it, but we are also salt and light to those around us. The second thing that we're called to be are servants. We're called to be salt and light, but we're also called to be servants. In Mark chapter 10, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, beginning in verse 43. And I'm actually going to pick up in the middle of the, of the verse. It says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our pattern for living. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that we are to walk in his steps. He is our model. He is our guide. Now, we cannot be exactly like him, right? Because he was sinless. 
But we are to, in our life, we are to attempt to be Christ-like. What that means is, is we are supposed to be living in such a way that when those in the world look at us, they see the things of Christ in us. And one of those things that they should see in us is a willingness to serve other people and to serve in every area of our lives. And what that means is, again, as we, as we point this towards our topic for this series, it means that we're to be willing to serve others even with our finances. But here's the catch here. You'll never become a servant to others with your finances unless you plan ahead to do so. So you may be thinking, okay, what exactly does it mean to serve others with my finances? Well, it means that just like what we read here, we follow Jesus' example. We put others first. We put others ahead of us. Let me put it super plainly. To serve others with your finances means if you see someone that you know has a legitimate financial need, you should give them some money. Or it could even be something like this. You may or may not know if someone has a financial need, but for some reason, it's like God puts them on your heart. And you don't even know why. But, but it's, it's like you, you sense that God is saying, you know what? You, you've got a little extra. Why don't you give some to this person? You don't, you, you'll never know why. All you know is, is, is there must be something going on that you don't know about. And then God's giving you the blessing of being, a, being able to help meet it. Serving others simply means giving what you have to someone else. And Jesus is the example here, right? He says that he didn't come to be served, verse 45, but he came to serve. And how did he serve us? He gave his life for us. You know, when it comes to this aspect, God's not calling us to give our lives for someone. But in this area of our finances, he is calling us to be willing to give what we have to someone that he places on our heart or someone that we know has a legitimate need. So we're called to be salt and light. We're called to be servants. And number three, we're called to be stewards. Go to Matthew chapter 25. Stewards. In Matthew chapter 25, this is um, a parable. Jesus is teaching here. One of those examples I was telling you about. And... It's a parable of three servants that that a man gave some money to. And so let's begin reading in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used 
his money. And I'll just paraphrase the rest of the story. So, so the, the owner gives them three guys, one five bags of silver, one two, and one one. And he says, I want you to work with my money while I'm gone. And then he came back and he called them to give an accounting of what they had done with it. And so the one that had been given five and he earned five more, he was rewarded and praised. The one who had been given two and earned two was rewarded and praised. But the one who was given one and who, who did nothing with it, was not praised and was not rewarded. As a matter of fact, he was spoken very harshly to. The the master, whose money it was, was letting him understand and know his displeasure at his lack of stewardship. You see, a steward is someone who manages someone else's assets. And this is one of the most difficult principles for many people to wrap their mind around and live by. Put plainly, nothing that we have is ours. Nothing. It all belongs to God. Whatever you have, it belongs to God. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to Him. And so here is series principle number one. Each week I'm going to give you one main principle. And today it's this, God owns it all. God owns it. It all. Let's be a little informal for a moment. I want you to think through this question, if you would. I'm going to ask you to reply, if you don't mind, by raising your hand. Your your reaction is not going to be to raise your hand. It's going to be to elbow the person next to you. Don't do that. Okay, just a little informal here. If you are with your spouse, and you would... Be willing to say, because it's just the truth, and you know it, and your spouse knows it, and everybody that knows your spouse also knows it. If you would say, my spouse, not you, (laughs) my spouse is a tightwad, raise your hand. Come on, fess up. All right. So, Barry, you raised your hand, didn't you? All right. So Sandy apparently is a tightwad. Sandy, here's $20. You can hang on to that for just a little bit. You know, a lot of times we're, we're tightwads because we're afraid, you know, we may not have the money to do what we want to do later on. But, but here's, here's what I want you to do, Sandy. I don't want you to keep that. I want you right now to give it to somebody else. Doesn't matter who it is. Can be somewhat, except Barry. You can't give it to Barry. So I want you to take a moment and you just give that to somebody else. But we do have to do it in this service this morning. All right, she's she's got it on her mind. You can all hum the. All right, so Mark, Mark, Mark gets my $20, right? So here's the thing. Easy come, easy go, right? Now, look, if, if I were Sandy, I would have liked to have kept it. I mean, $20 is $20. But, but here's the thing. Because she, it, it just got in her hands, it was a whole lot easier to let go of it. And, and to give it to somebody else. And, and this is what I want you to see. 
It's easier to be a servant with our finances and give it away when we know it wasn't ours to begin with. Sandy was just a steward of my money that I put into her hands. And that's what we all are. We are just stewards of the wealth that God puts in our hands. And if we can ever grasp and adopt this first principle of God owns it all, we can begin the journey of living fully in our finances and watch God bless us. But more importantly, watch as God uses us to help those around us by being salt and light for unbelievers as we live in faith with our money. Everything that we have that we call our own, our house, our car, our clothes, our, our boat, our four-wheelers, our golf clubs, our land, our bank accounts, whatever you can think of, everything belongs to God. But it's in our care. And we get to decide how to use it, and this is almost this is almost mind blowing if you really allow yourself to, to to let this soak in. God has chosen you to be His wealth manager. Now, Lynn would have raised her hand; she may have, for all I know, because I am a tightwad. That was an amen softly spoken for those of you that weren't sitting next to her. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not smart with money. I'm just tight with money. And I probably wouldn't use me to be someone's wealth manager. And yet, God did. God chose me. God trusts me to be his wealth manager. And God trusts you to be his wealth manager. We manage the assets of God. He puts those things in our care. But he's going to call us to account for how we manage that which he trusted us with. And, and here's something that we've all got to know. You can't fake stewardship. You, you can fake it to us. You can fake it to, to people around you. But you can't fake stewardship to yourself and especially to the Lord. See, how we use our wealth and possessions shows us for what we really are. One look at your bank statement or one look at your financial software shows the kind of steward you really are. Now, here's what we've got to get. There's a real battle between biblical truth and worldly beliefs when it comes to the role of money in the lives of people. The world says, get more, get more, get more, spend more, spend more, buy, buy, buy. And God says, in Hebrews 13, 5, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. That, ladies and gentlemen, are two locomotives on the same track, coming right at each other. 
In Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the number one habit for highly effective people is that these people are proactive. He goes on to say that things don't just happen to them. Instead, they happen to things. Likewise, being highly effective with your finances isn't going to just happen. We have to be proactive in that area. We have to happen to our finances. By that, I mean that we have to make decisions beforehand that we're going to have the right foundation, which is God owns it all. And then from from that starting point, we've got to have the right attitude. So we've got to have the right foundation and the right attitude, which is that we're to be salt and servants and stewards. And if we will get established in those two things, we can succeed spiritually and live fully in our finances. Say, well, how, how do I go about being proactive? How do I happen to my money? How do I decide beforehand? You, you sit down and you have a successful strategy. I, I can't tell you how many times collectively all of us have made awful financial decisions because we decided in the moment. And you, you, know, you know why we make the decision in the moment? Because... We, you know what's funny? We can, be, we can be a pessimist in every area of our life, but when it comes to money, it's like, oh, this is the opportunity. This is, this is my chance. And we make 98.3% of the time, I can't verify that, the wrong decision when we make a financial decision in the moment. So we've got to take steps back. And we have to, to, to set this strategy of how we want the kind of the manage, money manager that we want to be, the kind of steward that we want to be with the wealth that God trusts us with. Proverbs 16.3 says this, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Today, I'm not really trying to necessarily provide real answers i'm trying to help you understand this one thing before we launch into this series and it's this money matters to god and he cares about the financial aspect of our lives in the next few weeks we're going to begin to share some basic biblical wisdom to help us have some sense when it comes to the dollars that god blesses us with and I'll, I'll close with this question. What would happen if you couldn't work for six months? What, what's, what financial situation would you find yourself if you couldn't work for six months? Or, let, let's put it this way. Let's say you're on fixed income or whatever it is. But if your income ceased coming in, for six months, what would happen? Could you make your house payment? Could you pay your bills? Could you make a car payment? Would Rena Center come get your refrigerator? You see, if we ignore biblical wisdom 
in our finances. And instead of being salt and light and having influence on the world, instead we let the world influence us. We're one accident away from financial ruin. How many accidents have you been able to control, keep from happening? Zero, because it's an accident. We don't know it's coming. You're one accident away from financial ruin. God gives us dollars. He's trying to give us sense. He's offering it to us. If we will choose to follow and obey biblical wisdom on how to manage that which he gives us. So my challenge to you today is just this. Would you commit your finances to the Lord? That's a kind of a funny way of saying it, isn't it? But, but it's, it's, how you, it's how we understand. Because I really should have said, would you commit God's finances back to him? But you are the steward. Would you commit to being a good steward? great, trusted money manager of God's wealth. And will you take these steps with us for the next few weeks so that we might honor God with the money that he's trusted us with? Would you do it? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I hope that you get from, from today that this is going to be super practical. But I also hope that you also understand this is important. Money matters to God. And you matter to God. And and, and God's putting these two things together where he can bless you and also use you to have influence in the world. There's two powerful locomotives facing each other on the same track. One of them is going to win in your life. And here's the great thing. You're the switch operator. You get to decide which one of these things you're going to hit the switch and get off onto a different track, which is not your life. Let's keep the sense that God is offering us from his word on how to handle our money. Let's keep that on the track of our life so that we can live fully in every area of our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for your church today, whether whether people here today know Christ as our Savior, or even if they don't, God, these principles work for anyone who will put them into practice. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk out of your understanding that you own everything. There's nothing that we have access to that isn't yours. You are the sovereign God who created all things. You created mankind and you created everything in the world. The Bible makes it clear that the silver is yours and the gold is yours. We learn in Sunday school that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. God, help us to build our financial life on this principle as the foundation that you own everything. And you've asked us, you've trusted us to be your money managers. God, give us the wisdom.
to handle it well and help us, Lord, to be proactive, to be good stewards, realizing that we're going to give account someday. We'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name.